you put an offering in the box back there. It's worship when we come now to open God's Word. When we say, God, you, because, you, because you are on the throne, because you are king and we are your people, we let you speak, we listen, and God, would you even give us the grace, the help, the strength to, to love you, to obey you, to follow you, to serve you as you deserve. May that be true for us this morning as we come to God's word as part of our worship over the past uh, couple of weeks, we've considered uh, the Bible's wise words for uh, relationships with neighbors, with uh, friends. Today, we're coming to the relationship of family. Proverbs have a lot to say on the topic of family, wisdom on choosing a spouse or uh, honoring the older generation, uh, but for just one sermon on this topic. I have to be selective, and I'm calling this one Wise Words for a Happy Home. Does that sound a little hokey? Happy Home? A little, a little too idealistic, maybe too nostalgic, as if the goal was to be one of those you know, TV families from uh, 1950s sitcom, or I don't know, maybe Chip and Joanna Gaines from Fixer Upper just a few years ago. It, you know, a lot of people like to make fun of the, those old 50s uh, TV shows, but we're still selling the same product today, the perfect family, the dream of the perfect family in the perfect home. And whether you long for that fantasy or are completely turned off by it, you need to know that the Proverbs give us not a simplistic formula for a superficial happiness. Not, not, not a superficial happiness. When the Bible talks about being blessed, it is a profound and a deep thing. It's, it's not a mood or a feeling. It's not way more than a hashtag blessed. It is a kind of happiness that involves a flourishing, a thriving. It, it involves life with all the vitality and vigor that that word should mean for us. And, and this is uh, this is not a simplistic formula that we are given for that kind of life. It is as if a few easy steps or a, a few little accessories from Target would give you the life that you've always wanted. Rather, we will see that the Proverbs point us to some essential ingredients, some must-haves for making a happy home. And if you feel like you're you know, too far gone at this point uh, in the wrong direction, ne- well, next week we'll talk about wise words for resolving conflict, for making peace. We'll get there. So if, if that seems a little too rosy for you today, um, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Today we're asking, what are some essential ingredients for a happy home? We're going to look at a half a dozen Uh, Proverbs in four main points. Here's the first one, integrity. What what are some essential ingredients for a happy home? One is integrity. Proverbs 20 verse 7 says, the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. The righteous person, the righteous man or woman, uh, clearly uh, father or mother, who walks in his or her integrity, blessed are their children after them. We talked about integrity in one of our early sermons in in this series, the the importance not only of righteousness, which is not some, you know, uh, goody two-shoes kind of thing, but, but doing what is right. The importance of righteousness, doing what is right, but not only that, doing so consistently such that it, it really describes you, 
your, your character. It characterizes you. Integrity, uh, as the Bible talks about, is, is a, a wholeness, a, a completeness to who you are, sometimes translated as in the Bible as blameless, not, not as being without sin, not perfectly sinless, but you're not covering up your flaws, you're not harboring some kind of sin in secret. And so this person can be called the righteous without any kind of eye rolling or asterisks by it. No, no we, can, we can really call this person the righteous. And when it, and it says this is how he walks, you, you understand the metaphor, of course. We're not limited to the way he, she moves around on their feet. Rather, this is a regular pattern, a daily activity, uh, how he goes about his business. It's about how you spend your time. It's about how you spend your money. It's the way you handle yourself on the job, in the home, at school. It's how you speak to others, whether you know them as friends or interact with them as strangers, whether they're like you, they're, they're part of your tribe, your, your people, or, or someone very different, whether they are above you in authority or whether they are below you in the chain of command. We saw an integrity problem in the news this past week, if you pay attention to such things. Uh, John Gruden, coach of the Las Vegas Raiders football team, and as someone else was being investigated, Emails from Gruden came to light in which he used all kinds of vulgar language and insults and not politically correct is, is putting it too lightly. It's pretty, pretty nasty. And whether, you not, whether, whether or not you think it warranted his resignation, that's another issue. It was a problem of integrity, particularly in the sense that what was secret had been exposed. His character was shown to be different in private than what he publicly displayed, and it cost him his job. Uh, among all the possible blessings for a life of integrity or the, the possible negative consequences for a lack of integrity, this problem t- uh, proverb excuse me, talks about the impact on your family, your children, the next generation, maybe even implying generations after that. Blessed, happy, flourishing, thriving are your children, the children who have a father a mother of consistent, godly character. Now, is that the first thing on your list of ingredients for a happy home, happy kids? Well, they need food and clothing, yes. Can't, can't not give them that. They, they, they like toys and trips to the beach, and you want to give them opportunities, and you want to give them experiences, and you give them stuff, yes. But what they need for you to show them is what it looks like to do what is right day in and day out over a lifetime. Nothing, nothing spectacular, nothing especially heroic, just consistent, godly character. Now, I know that if, if you live together in, in a home, you, you see each other, uh, you see, see one another at, at their worst, right? You, uh, that's possible, but what this is getting at is not, so if you're a kid here and like, oh yeah, I see stuff that people in public don't see. Well, yeah, yeah we, we understand that. But what we're trying to say is that y- you can't let yourself be one kind of person at home and another kind of person uh, when you're out. You know, pleasant in public, angry at home, polite in public, harsh at home. This is, and, and when you think about it, this is the worst kind of hypocrisy. 
because your kids are the ones who see what's really going on, who you really are, and, and they always seem to get the worst side of you. And either, this, this can, can result in a couple of different ways, either they learn to be a fake like you, or they reject the pretense altogether and just throw away any kind of true righteousness. The righteousness that you merely gave lip service to. Your integrity or lack thereof impacts not only your life, but those who come after you. And, and though I've pressed this proverb as a warning, it's really written here as a promise. A promise, not, not in the wooden sense of a promise, not some sort of guarantee, like uh, automatic guarantee, like be good and you'll automatically have good kids. It's, no. But when you live with integrity, you can count on it. The blessing ripples out and reverberates from generation to generation. One way to read this proverb, I think just at taking it another level really, is with each line kind of giving an implication to the other. Uh, when I say that, it's like what, what's stated in the one line is sort of hinted at in the other. And each one kind of mirrors back to the other. What I mean by is this. You could read this as, the righteous who walks in his integrity is blessed, and so are his children who walk after him in righteousness. You see the, the, the subtle difference there? What, what, um, after him, then, is not just the, the generation that follows in time, in sequence, uh, birth order, and so forth. It's that they follow in the footsteps of faithfulness to God. You see, that's, a, that's just saying a little bit more. Not just, they, 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 they sort of trail after you, and so the, the blessing sort of kind of trickles down. But if they also see you and follow you, they follow after you in that same righteousness, in that same integrity, they will have that same blessing. And here's the beauty, that blessing will boomerang back to the parents. Look at the next proverb, Proverbs 23, 24. This is, uh, by the way, if you're not here just for the first time, they, they're all on the back of the worship folder that can get to you there quickly. I'm happy for you to turn in your Bible to follow me, but they're all there really, you can access them really quickly or of course up on the screen. Proverbs 23, 24 says, The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. So, earlier proverb, the righteous was describing the parents. This is describing the children, son or daughter. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Now, we've seen this before where righteousness and wisdom are in parallel. It doesn't mean they're identical, but they just go together. Uh, it's wise to do what's right, and when you do right, you're being wise. Uh, my point here, though, is to encourage parents and grandparents still further. When you model righteousness, integrity, wisdom, it blesses your kids, and when they follow your example, it blesses you. That, I mean, does that sound good? Does that sound like what you want? I, and I think I know you know this already because uh, that you know that the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. You know this because maybe you felt the other side. Maybe you felt the heartache of your 
child's sin. You, you fear the consequences of their foolish decisions, their bad behavior, and you, and you know the relief and the joy when they do what is right, when sometimes they even surprise you with their maturity and with their character. You know, you know, as a parent, as a grandparent, you'd be so happy with righteous, wise kids. But I wonder, do you tell them that? See, they, they probably know because of all the signs and signals and maybe things you've told them, they know that you, that you want them to get good grades. They know that, that you are proud when they make the first chair in the orchestra or uh, starting lineup on the team or starring role in the play, they, they know you'd be happy with that. Do they know that you would rather, you would be happier that they be good, godly young men and women? That rather that than, than to be uh, more accomplished, more successful, more wealthy than, than anyone in their class, among their peers. One day... One way they would know this, even beyond your telling them, even if you never said it straight out, I would rather have you godly than successful. One way they would know that is if that's how you live your life. If you live your life that way, that doing right, that walking in integrity is more important than success, more important than fame, more important than wealth. Show them how to walk. You taught your kids how to walk when they were little. Teach them how to walk as the righteous walk in integrity. They will be blessed. You will be blessed. You will be happy. This is a happy home. Kids, uh, youth, if I can talk to young, younger people, do, do you know what the next verse after this one, Proverbs, I keep pointing there because the screen's there, same as yours, but Proverbs 23, 24, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. The next verse says, let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. So it's talking to, it's talking to kids here. You can make your home a happy home, giving joy to your parents when you walk in righteousness and wisdom. Your parents may not be the perfect example. You may have seen them lose it at home. That, that's possible. But do right, even if you don't have the parent that you could say, oh, blameless, uh, integrity, maybe you've seen them really mess up. But here's the thing. Do right because it pleases your heavenly Father, and I believe it will bless your parents and you too. So this is the first part. And it involves, uh, this integrity involves a modeling, described, you know, walking in integrity, children after him. Uh, modeling integrity is important, but you also need to teach and instruct, as well as the flip side of that, correct and discipline in order to have a happy home. So here's part two. Instruction. We'll look at this proverb first, Proverbs twenty nine seventeen. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Discipline here does not mean simply punishment for disobedience, though that is included. I mean, we could look at Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Um, the word discipline here refers to any kind of correction, uh, reprimand, 
Um, correction, of course, as I said just a moment ago, the, the more negative side of the coin to instruction. Uh, so if instruction is this, this is what you should do, yes. Correction is like, no, 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 don't, do not do that. That's not what we do. No. Um, and I put the no first um, in this part of the sermon, partly because it flows so well out of the previous proverb. If the father of the righteous, son, uh, wise son will rejoice, be glad. Yes, you do need to be righteous by example. Yep. Sometimes you have to do the hard work of confronting and correcting, and that is also will result in a happy dad. Um, why is this wisdom that we need? I, I, I ask this a lot of the Proverbs. Maybe you're, you're picking up on that as we go through this. It's good to ask, especially when you think, well, yeah, yeah, of course. Mike, Mike. Now, wait a minute. Why is this wisdom that we need? Uh, I, think, I think it's because even though we think it's obvious, um, nobody, nobody wants unruly kids. Nobody wants the, 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 to have to take home the wild child. No, but here's the thing. In the moment, discipline is hard. It's hard work. It is no fun. And as a parent, typically, we, we just don't want to say no. I know, kids, you don't believe that. You're like, man, it's just got an itchy trigger finger on the no. Like, before I can get ask, it's no. no. Uh, Parents coming from it the other way. They're like, quite often, especially in those flashpoints of conflict, of disagreement, of anger, we don't want to say no. We don't want to be the mean parent. We don't want to go toe-to-toe with our toddler. That's ridiculous. And then when they get to be teenagers, I mean, they're bigger than we are. I don't, I don't want to have an argument with you either. So, but the temptation then is to placate, to bargain, to bribe, to cave in but you're just feeding the beast. You're creating the monster. Uh, you gotta, you got to play the long game. you gotta, you got to believe that your hard work now will pay off later for you and for them. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. doesn't feel like that in the moment. you got to... Eventually... <laughs> He will give you. He he will give delight to your heart. Now, here's an example of the more positive side of you know if discipline is correction, more positive side of teaching and instruction. This is Proverbs 31. Next passage: 31, 26 to 28. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. And I didn't have room on the slide for this, but he says, how does he praise her? He says, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. This is from the last Proverbs chapter of Proverbs. You may know this specifically about the godly woman, the godly wife, mother, and if you know this passage, you probably think first uh, about this woman as industrious, creative, hardworking. That's true. It's right in there. Doesn't eat the bread of idleness. But notice the first two lines I've included. This is verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She speaks wisdom. 
She teaches kindness. And that word kindness, word that's translated kindness, the Hebrew is hesed. It is that word translated as sometimes as steadfast love, faithfulness, loving kindness. It's a covenantal word. So if you're a mom, this is what should be coming out of your mouth. <laughs> Ooh, there, there's a time, no, there's, there's plenty of time and reason for barking out orders and scolding. Yes, there, there's time, place for that. But it's too easy. I, I know it's also too easy, and it's not just women, it's not just moms, but it's so too easy for all of us to let complaining and self-pity come out of our mouth, uh, subtly, subtly demeaning our kids or manipulating. Like, why do I have to put up with this? Like, you know, they're making you suffer, and that's why they should feel bad about what they're, you know, it's like, ah, we all get, we all get sucked into this. But your kids need wisdom from you. And that, that may include all kinds of just practical life skills, you know, how to brush your teeth, how to scramble an egg, how to balance a checkbook. Practical wisdom, yes, but it also should include the wisdom of, of insight into life that your kids just don't have yet because they just haven't lived long enough. Insight in how to trust God in times of disappointment. Or telling your daughters how to be a woman of dignity or your sons how to treat a woman with respect. Wisdom. She opens her mouth with wisdom and, and then the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Teaching kindness, teaching steadfast love and faithfulness. This is, this is more than about skill. This is about character. Love and faithfulness in relationships. Teaching your kids about making and keeping their promises. Giving your, to, teaching them to, to give their all for the team even when you mostly sit the bench. Encouraging them to be the one who moves toward the new kid and tries to befriend the loner. Be, be that kid that, that, go, that reaches out to them rather than kind of ex- excluding or shunning. Now, this kind, of, this kind of teaching, this wisdom, this teaching kindness, it's, it's not exclusively uh, from you moms. In fact, most of the Proverbs uh, written by Solomon are from the perspective of father teaching his son. So, uh, it's important, again, for men to be teaching these things as well, dads. But the, the, the reason why Proverbs 31 is here and the significance is part of it is that uh, some men need to better appreciate what the women in their lives contribute in the home. Men, husbands, fathers, recognize the wisdom that your wife has, the, that, your, that the mother of your children has to give to them. Your, your kids should be more inclined to listen to their mom because of you. Don't dismiss her. Appreciate her. I mean, that's right there in the text. Children, rise up and call her blessed. That's, there's our happy word. There's our, our theme, uh, right? But not just describing her mood. Happy are you, mom? That kind of doesn't make sense. But, but you're, you're, what you're saying is, this, mom, mom you, are, you are thriving as a mom. You are flourishing as a mom. Or, or to put a little more you know, up to date, like, mom, you are crushing it. I mean, like, as a mom, you are, you are knocking it out of the park. And, and dad is saying, man, there are plenty of great women out, women out there, but you are the MVP of the all-star team. 
And it, it, do, do you understand if there's that kind of, okay, maybe you're not saying that kind of stuff, but you know, if you've got that kind of attitude, that kind of affirmation and encouragement, that kind of appreciation for one another, is there any surprise that that would characterize a blessed home, a happy home? A home like that, it's not hard to see how the blessing just keeps on going. Part three, what is an essential ingredient for a happy home? Provision. Provision. Proverbs 15, 17 says, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Now, it's not a profound bit of wisdom to say that you need to as parents, you need to provide for your family. I mean, that's typical, that's common sense, that's everybody says that, not just the Bible. But what is profound is to recognize that love is the most important thing that you can put on the table. Uh, just back up a moment. So the, the Proverbs recognize all those, all those other things that you know you need uh, even Proverbs 31, where we just were a minute ago, Proverbs 31 talks about the godly woman who prepares uh, food and, and clothes, got clothes ready for the winter coming. And, and yeah, all of those practical things. She's got a whole cottage industry going in, in Proverbs 31. If you can give your family good things, nice things, that's great. That's commendable. Proverbs 31 says, literally, it's praiseworthy. But this proverb gives us some very important wisdom to counterbalance uh, that because um, we can lose sight of what's important and all the busyness and all the, and all the shopping that you need to do and all the, the planning and what do they need for this school year and what do they need for next year if they're, we're applying for college and what, what, do, what do we need to be a paperwork we got to get done and what are, what are the plans we need to have saving up for this or doing that? The thing that they most need is love in this home. Now, you know how these Proverbs work. We've, we've seen one very much like this. There are, there are many Proverbs like this in, in terms of the, the format. Um, two lines in comparison, and right up front, it's showing us what is better. Two things, but oh, but this is better. Now, the, the trick is always, well, one thing looks better but it's actually the other thing that's better. See, see this, is the, this is where the wisdom is. Like, why do we need this wisdom? Because on the surface of things, we can, if we're just looking at things, we'll pick one. But if we really think about it, we know that there's more going on. So you would naturally, if you're, if you're looking at a um, stick of celery, sirloin steak, what's better? Come on. Yeah. We, we know what's better. Kale, uh, Smoked brisket. Mm, man, you're, there's, no, there's no contest. What's better? But this proverb says, wait, wait, wait stop. Stop. I want, you to, I want you to listen. I want you to think. Better, far better to sit down to a plate of boiled cabbage in a home where there is love. To sit down with prime rib and Roasted potatoes and glazed baby carrots and whatever favorite cheesecake you like. Oh, that, that's better, right? Not if there is strife, conflict, and animosity, and bitter resentment, and smoldering hatred. 
not there. It, it, just, it just won't taste good. You, won't enjoy, you will not enjoy that meal. You don't want to be at that table. Love makes all the difference in this equation. Is what makes one thing better than the other. Some of you know this because you have lived in this kind of home. Maybe you are living in this kind of pain. You might say, oh, I would, I would gladly take a smaller home, an older car, and no vacations if I just had some peace in our house. If I could just have a marriage, a family where there is love. As I said earlier, we're going to talk more next week about, about mending what is broken. This wisdom here in this proverb is for those who may not be quite there yet. Might, might not be in that bad place yet, but you need to get your priorities straight early on. What are you aiming for? What are you trying to get? What do you think is going to make you happy? Do you know the right way to get to the right kind of happy? You may think that uh, you're on top of things with your family. Well, of course I'm a good dad. I'm a good mom I, I'm, because I make the money that we need to buy stuff. I work hard so we can enjoy nice things. But more important than gourmet cuisine and up-to-the-minute fashion and the latest technology and bucket list vacations, you need love, you need kindness, you need respect, you need putting others first, you need sacrificial service, laying down your life for one another. And, and folks, that's not, something you can, that's not something you can get at Costco, even super value. You can't, get, you can't get it there. If it was, and frankly, if it was there, you couldn't afford it. Actually, the beauty of it is, is that love, you, not everybody can afford the nice home, the nice car, the big vacations, but everyone can afford love. Not because you have it in you to afford it. Because really where we get this where we first experience the love that we need that maybe we didn't experience in our own homes and, and that we don't experience now. The, the, the place where we find the love that maybe we weren't given is to come to the God who gives it by grace. You can't buy it somewhere else. You can't afford it if you could buy it, but God will give you his love, his mercy, his tenderness, his kindness, his faithfulness to you as a gift by grace. Grace, and you can receive that, and receiving it, you can turn around and give it freely, freely in your home. And if you have that, you're rich. If you've got that, if you've received that from God, then you can put that love on the table for your family. Last part, part four, protection. Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. And now some of you are thinking, like, there's no happy word in this one. No, no, not, not blessed, glad, rejoice, delight, not even a better, like we had in our last proverb. Like, well, I had this on the long list of Proverbs for this uh, topic, and I, I just couldn't take it out. So, there you go. Um, this is a lot like the first proverb that we looked at today, isn't it? 
uh, the righteous who walks in his integrity. Blessed are his children after him. The first line talks about the parent, father, or mother. The second talks about the impact on their kids. And with this kind of proverb, we, we've seen different kinds of fr- proverbs that fit into different um, kind of shapes and, and formats. And this, this kind of proverb, the second line is the result of the first. So if the second line sort of naturally follows from the first, well, we better get what's in the first line, right? If, especially if the second line is something that we want. For the fear of the Lord. Now, this is another reason to keep this in this uh, sermon and to, and to end with this because this is just, even though uh, you could start with this because, right, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is, we saw this at the beginning of this series. This is square one. This is just baseline foundation, foundational stuff for a godly, happy life, a life of wisdom. Using one scholar's simple definition we, we mentioned back then, uh, it is a worshiping submission to God. Not a, not a groveling submission like, uh, I guess you're God, or you're, you're in charge, so I got to do what, what you have to, what you want me to. Um, I, I have to listen to you. No, it's, it's recognizing God's rightful place. It's what, we're, it's what we do even just in coming to worship. It's what we do when we sing the songs. We remember, you, only you are the holy God. You're, you're the one and the only. Forever a holy God. It's recognizing the rightful pla- God's rightful place and ours in awe and wonder of him. With the result being that the fear of the Lord, that, that when somebody calls you a God-fearing man, a God-fearing woman, we don't use that so often today, but you've heard it, we're talking about someone who has, lives with a joyful obedience, a love and a devotion, and in the light of this proverb, a hope and a peace. See, when you know God like that, when you know the fear of the Lord, not, not, again, not a cowering like, oh, God, but, but, but a we stand in awe of you, such that, that we, there is a worshiping submission. When you know God like that, you have a strong confidence. That's what this proverb is is telling us you are not afraid of what the next variant of the virus is going to be, even if it is the deadliest one yet. You're not worried about what political party will win the White House in 2024, even if it's the one that you think will uh, do the most damage to the economy. You're not in a panic about the shifting sands of culture and values. You may feel strongly about them. You feel, may feel outraged at the wickedness of our world. You may lament and grieve, but you were never looking to Washington or Wall Street or Silicon Valley or Hollywood as your hope, your strength, your refuge as the kingdom. Don't get me wrong. There are many, many reasons to worry about the world, to be afraid for our nation, to be skittish about the economy, uh, and we might, and we might one, one response to that, we might want to hunker down, try to find security in our family, security in our, our, just our home. Well, let's, just, let's just hunker down and, and we'll just make our home nice and, and we'll hope that it just blows over. But your home will not be safe, it will not be stable or secure if family is your strength. Your house may be destroyed. Your kids may reject you. Your parents may abuse you. And you cannot protect your family from all the craziness of this world. 
you may have a security system and, and cameras at, at the various places in your home. You might, you might protect your kids with internet filters and you've got rules and curfews and you're pretty selective about their friends. Oh, that's all good. You may, you may even have a underground bunker with canned goods and bottled water ready for the next catastrophe. But you cannot protect your family in all the ways they need to be protected from all the craziness in this world. But if the Lord is God, if He is your God, if He is your strength, your confidence, your children, result, will have a refuge. Now, that second line can work in a couple different ways. Is the refuge because the children learn to fear the Lord? just like their parents? I think that's one way that we should read it as following in the footsteps, just like we saw in the very first proverb. The, the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him, partly because they do the same. Uh, that's certainly what uh, every parent hopes for, that if we have the fear of the Lord, that our children will do so as well. Not just, not just uh, our kids will identify as Christians, you know, when, when the poll comes, like, are you an evangelical? Yeah, I'm an evangelical. No, not, not just identify as Christian, but that they know the Lord, that He is God to them, shaping their identity, directing their daily path, and their eternal destiny. But another way to read that second line is this. It comes, and, and, and you, you can see it a couple of ways, because of the, the ambiguity or the, the uh, openness of that last a refuge. His children will have a refuge. Well, is, it, is that refuge the Lord or the God-fearing parent? Yes. <laughs> yes. Especially early in life, Kids get their sense of security and stability from parents. How much more from parents whose strength and confidence is in the Lord. You can give your kids security and stability through a daily routine. A, a, a schedule. You know, they, they, they know when breakfast is and they know when nap time is and they know when... when uh, they, how much time they get to be on, on screens and, and when they have to take a nap. And you can give some, some security and stability through a routine. You can uh, give your kids uh, stability and security through daily encouraging words and hugs and I love yous. You can give them stability and security, of course, Moms and dads, as you stick together over the years and as you work through your problems and disagreements, as you face trials and you come through them, maybe, maybe more tired, maybe with more wrinkles, maybe with less in the bank account than when you started, but, but you keep on trusting the Lord. There is a strength and a stability and a security that comes with that. But the fear of the Lord is the essential ingredient. When He is God to you, your kids not only get the, the ripple effect of that same confidence and security, but that blessing of hope and peace comes to your kids through you. Not just they have the same blessing, but they get that blessing through you. 
That's the safest place to be. This is the happy home you want. This is not, I said this before, this is not a a simplistic formula for a superficial happiness. These are not even all the ingredients that you could find in the book of Proverbs. I encourage you to keep reading, keep studying, keep thinking and asking. But these are some of the essential ingredients, I believe, for a happy home. And this morning, I would ask you to bow your heads with me. I don't know if the Holy Spirit maybe is, is pressing on you one particular aspect that you feel like, ah, this is where I'm, I'm falling short. This is, this is not what I'm giving my kids. I'm giving them stuff, but I'm not giving them the right things. I'm not giving them you in me, God. But as we bow this morning, as we reflect, as we consider our shortcomings, even our sins, I want us to remember I want you to hear me say, husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, just what we saw in this last verse. What we, ultimately, what we need is not for you to try harder and do better. What we need is more of God in us. And so now as we pray, Father, we are asking that you would be holy, awesome, Mighty, good, true, faithful among us. Would you be fearsome in your righteousness? Would you be awesome in your perfect integrity, your consistent character? toward us, that we would never have to question whatever happens, whatever happened last week, whatever happens this coming week, that we're never going to have to question, are you going to run out on us? Are you going to just give us up? But knowing who you are, we would find our strength in you, and that the blessing would echo, would ripple out would boomerang back. Parents, kids, grandparents, great-grandkids for generations. And God, I pray that you do that in every home represented here today and in the home, the household that this church is. We ask that you would do this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.